Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next, well, this episode of A Talk With. I'm here with the one, the only, Mr. James Sutton. Introduce yourself. Hello. I, I, hello, I'm James um, Sutton, as previously stated. Uh, do, do you want any more than that, or is that just it? <laughs> yeah, really, what you do, you know. Just... I am, I am a prop maker uh, mainly. I make, I make props for film, television, and the theatre, um, and then fan productions and such like. I also do uh, acting work, whether that be audio or visual work, sort of in a fan capacity. I don't do paid work or anything, unless you do want to pay me, in which case, cool. Um, but uh, yes, and mainly those fan projects have included um, Torchwood, Rebirth, uh, and uh, DW2012's fan series, but also the Overton audio stuff as well. Yeah. I mean, um, first, first thing first, how are you? You're doing all right? I'm good. Warm is the main thing. We, we've we've pre-established. Uh, I'm stood I'm stood next to a fan, which if I I, I can hear my sort of Daleky effect when I look at it. Um, because of my voice uh, and hungry as the other one, because um, for the viewers, we've been on Zoom most of the day already previous to this to this one um, uh, with some friends. Uh, and so I only just got off of that uh, and have managed to obtain uh, a Domino's pizza. Uh, other pizzas are available. Um, uh, from I other have food with me. I have uh, beans and cheese over here on a plate because there were no clean bowls so, I had to put it so th- this is less a, this is less a talk with this is a dinner with we're on a date currently um <laughs> this is this is what's happened we're, we're having dinner together um so uh it's, it's getting very cozy this series eventually uh we're, we're, the, the next one they're going to be doing breakfast um so <laughs> but, uh, but uh yeah so it's good to find me speaking to you of course so uh, we only met fairly recently actually because um mm. i think we um yeah, it was a. Uh, we met properly at Comic Con in person, yes. and then um, of course uh, there are certain plans for Endgame, which I won't really get into. But uh, that was kind of how we got in contact and through a server that since we've since uh, we've both quit that server now. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, it's good to be talking to you on here about uh, just yep. more stuff. Really, I mean, the, f- the first thing that kind of comes to mind, of course, is your character, Captain Fraser Ward. Uh, yeah, she's Naturally, a very uh, well, it's an infamous fan character, of course, for being in DW Twenty Twelve and the Otenverse, and especially Tortured Rebirth, which it, the first volume is out now, which is um was mm. brilliant, by the way. It was absolutely. Oh, I mean, all, all uh, Connor Connor did all the. I didn't touch those scripts at all. Connor did all the um the writing on those. Um, it was it was it was really nice to to get to finally have a story. Um, because um. <laughs> I, I've kind of spent years, uh, like we, we planned stories, we planned seasons and stuff, but uh, just one thing or another led to just they didn't get off the ground effectively. Um, and so we were trying to be ambitious with things. Like there was a script written and it was so ambitious. Like there was there was a building blown up at the start and there was et cetera, et cetera happening. And it just couldn't be realised with the budget and the time we actually had to do it. Um, so things kind of used to get set up we did like mini sodes and in lockdown we did like an audio mini sode and all that kind of stuff just to just to give people some some pieces with the characters in um but definitely it was it was lovely to be able to actually sit down and go there's going to be long episodes coming out with our characters telling an arcing story um so that, that was it was really really nice and there was a it was nice to see the reaction to it it was a general sort of positive reaction to it um yeah, it was very much but, good, honestly. Was yeah well, thank you very much uh 
obviously for everyone who doesn't know who Fraser is, uh, how would you mm. describe him to people who like haven't seen or heard him before? Because yeah, so F- Fraser Ward is the captain of Torchwood. Um, when people hear that they, and see pictures, there's always a sort of, oh, he's, he's Captain Jack Hartness. He's, he's not. So the Torchwood Rebirth is set in a different branch of Torchwood. So um, we do reference uh, there being a, another team in Cardiff, but they're kind of a separate thing. We don't really talk to them. Um, and that's that's where Jack Harkness is with with Gwen Cooper and and, um, and yeah. you know all the others. And we sort of we we do as fans of Big Finish, we like to respect that continuity. So we we, mm. we do we do actively keep that up. Um, but then Fraser is he's different from Captain Jack. He's he's you know he's played by me, so he's not American. Um, obviously, he's not an immortal or anything like that. Barman. And he's not John Barrowman. No, he is. He's basically me, but if I was only sort of sensible. So there's, there's, there's. When I, whenever I've written in the past for Tommy and Fraser, Fraser is the voice of reason, and Tommy is the voice of like. Um, Tommy's the voice, the, the silly voice in my head that sits there and goes, yeah. "We should, we should just set fire to that thing." But why? What? Why would we do that? That's Fraser, the one who goes, "Why would we do that?" Um, so he's, he's, he's always quite the sort of sensible character that's kind of telling people where to go. Uh, recently, we've developed him a bit more where he's a bit more um, almost like Owen's character, almost in a way, uh, in, some way in some aspects of how human he can be. Um, but it, there is a level of him just being the sort of straight man to Tommy's funny man. Um, yeah, if, if that's... I think from, from conversations we've had, Owen's your favourite torture character, right? Owen, yeah, Owen's the one that I resonated with the most. Um, not not so much series one. Series yeah. one, Owen is a completely different kettle of fish, and oh, it's yeah. a bit like, "Wait, well, it'd be amazing together." It's 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 awful. <laughs> um, series two, Owen, there's development. He's still there's still levels of him being a bit, ooh, but um, there's yeah. definitely there's there's a redemption arc for him within that season and there's a sort of you know the the end scene with him and tosh forever haunts me and how sad it is and everyone everyone goes on about how sad that scene is and i don't think if it wasn't for how those characters became tosh and Noah and how they how likable they were in the end you wouldn't feel you know that hurt and i think the other way that it feels painful is they felt so real like out of all of them like owen had flaws and like sometimes they explore flaws in in TV shows, but Owen had flaws. Like he had proper oh, yeah. flaws. And when you when you get the back uh, story he had and the drift with his wife and everything, it just hurts. And that's I I just I I really there's there's levels to him that I related to, um, and so Fraser's very heavily sort of if 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 Owen was the captain of Torchwood, that's effectively what Fraser is. Um, there's a balance, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, where because I'm I'm very similar to the characters in in certain ways. I, obviously, I take elements from different characters I like uh, in general that have sort of formed myself. Um, so he's not a carbon copy, you know. He, yeah. There's there's levels of it, it is its own character in its right. But whenever I'm whenever writers ask me, so how do I write Fraser's character? I just go just sort of if if Owen was in charge of torture, would do that. And that's kind of how it comes out. And then I can usually yeah. interpret those lines on the page into the correct mannerisms yeah, i think that's the same with most writers actually when they're writing their characters whether original or like a new incarnation of the doctor for example i mean we all kind of inject ourselves but also our inspirations into it i know i've been watching a lot of this show called house md recently 
Um, I, I'm a big fan of House MD. I'm a, a big fan of House MD. Finally, I found another House MD. No, I, I, I cosplayed him in the lockdown. I, mm. I did a full on house cosplay. I can see the cane from here. It's up there. Um, I'll see a picture of you as Greg House one day. But um, I love that show and I took a lot of inspiration from House for my doctor and uh, a lot of inspiration from what I've been through for my doctor as well. It's very much me, but also my inspiration. I didn't realize I was taking quite a lot of inspiration from how House came <laughs> until like Jed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we all get our inspirations from characters we either love or characters I, we hate. I think there's a level of it because. In my mind, I think everyone pulls from what they what they know. You need to you need to yeah. you know if if there's a character that made you feel something and you want to you know that is the character that makes you feel something, then you should emulate that. But the other thing is, of course, we are fan creators. We are we are fans of a show, and we yeah. are making that. So I've always seen it in a way that I'm 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 happy to take concepts from things I like because what I am making is a is a love letter to everything that I love. Yeah, in yeah. a fan capacity. So if if I'm writing Torchwood and I love the character of Owen, then of course I'm going to almost write a love letter to him in you know in the character I play. Mm. Uh, you know, I, was, I I never want it to be a complete copy. Like I wouldn't want you to sit down and go, he's you know he's ripping off this character, you know X Y Z. But if there's an essence, sometimes I don't mind that because a lot of the time, you know, these are my inspirations in life. And the thing is also. I think people sometimes go, oh, can I help you, dog? Sorry, the border coddy has just gone off. And then my brother's just shouted a rude word. I don't know if you could pick that one up, but I, great. Not my headphones on, but I can't hear it, but I'm definitely keeping that in. Probably. Yeah, yeah. It just it was just the border collie barked. My brother just went, shut the up. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you for that one, everyone. I'm glad we could have this talk. Um, there was a guy with that. Yeah, it's effectively though, um, you know, to, to take a sort of, you know, I think in real life people take characters. I mean, I do definitely, you know, people take inspiration from people they like, characters they like, you know, you see people out there and they've got, you know, Jason Momoa's haircut or something like that, or they've got, you know, they've, they've taken, I don't know, Farrell's hat. Did he wear a hat? I can't remember. I think he wore a hat at one point. That may be a bit like 2013 reference, but <laughs> um, but effectively people, people see characters and they and they they take little bits from yeah. from each thing as they as they walk along they sort of it's almost like the crillotane they sort of cherry pick the best bits of every uh sort of iteration of things they see yeah. um you can also pick the and, worst bits as well i think it just depends mm. on what they're feeling at the time i think um i think a lot yeah. of the Dolce fandom a lot of people in it are obviously going to take quite a lot from the doctor no i feel like uh, a lot of my dress sense at first it wasn't uh it, at first it wasn't uh, similar to how adults dress, because I'm obviously not dressed in what mm -hmm. I usually wear today, but um, then I started... Yeah, like... you sort of come as Alec Baldwin from Beetlejuice. <laughs> that, was, that was a really well-put reference. <laughs> it's niche, but that shirt is completely yeah. that, the one he's wearing in that. Like, um, I, I mean, your house like... as well, to be fair, that does look a bit sort of... Uh... Like you, you kind of look like you're in the waiting room for the afterlife, you know, when, when they're all... T I don't know why I'm going so deep in this Beetlejuice reference. Don't say it a third time. Do not say it a third time. Ooh. <laughs> because I've, I've had that TikTok sound in my, my brain all day. Where, uh, Last week, yeah. is Michael Keaton showing up? Um, I don't know. The viewership might be good, unless it's the Flash movie. But um, <laughs> Or it's from uh, Morbius. I mean... Yeah, uh, true, true. It's, it's Morbin time. <laughs> 
mean, I'm, my, my sense of humor when Morbius came out just descended into that. <laughs> I know. I, poor, poor Matt Smith. Poor Matt Smith. When you saw that clip of that yeah, guy. <laughs> I mean, anyway, sorry, derailed this conversation. Oh, no, that's the whole point of this series. It's just to mm. derail every conversation into. Just oh, well, don't tempt me. Tangents are galore. Um, it's very yeah. rare I stay on track. I definitely call for tangents and stuff with this series because that's what it is at the end of the day. It's like a natural mm. conversation. I think that's the thing that I'm trying to achieve. And I think I've done it very well so far. It's got that kind of interview DNA, that kind of podcast. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a vague structure, yeah. but it's a kind of a rambling chat, which is you've got a sort of vague outline, but, you know, it can be anything. Like, I have no pre-prepared questions. I'm just kind of running it off my head. I'm talking of questions. I've got one in my head at the moment. It's like, what's the difference between playing Fraser in live action to playing him in audio? Because, of course, in audio, you've played him more in Talk of Rebirth, while in live action, it was in DW2012's uh, Vengeance of the Bloodline, mainly. Yeah, so... Fraser in live action is a bit different to how I do him on audio. So effectively, the last time I recorded Fraser live action, I had never done the audio side of things, basically. So um, he was primarily a visual character um, because we did the mini-sode from The Ashes. And that was the first kind of outing of it. Effectively, Luke had said that he wanted to have Fraser appear in at some point in series five um and he also was talking about having molly molly breed who plays uh lauren so in one of the versions of torchwood uh molly was going to play lauren who would have been the sort of Gwen cooper-esque character um alongside tommy and me um and so he said he wanted to have tommy as a companion uh, this was at the fall of the Doctor filming. Yeah, so, it's well, like that that Minnesota was supposed to be a part of the Doctor at one point. But it got well, it, it, so effectively what it was, was um, we'd started writing Torchwood and there was teasers put out and everything. Obviously, Dan Patton had done an original version. So many moons ago, Dan Patton had come up with an original one. And it basically got to a point, as far as I know, in, from what I've heard, he, that he he sort of could either spend his time doing fractured timeline or he could do Torchwood and obviously he decided to be the Irish doctor, which is, you know, you know, it's his thing. Um, and so Torchwood got put on a shelf and then I started talking going, Oh, well, I'd, I'd like to do a Torchwood fan series at some point because I really liked Torchwood as a, you know, as a show. Um, at which point Luke heard about this and then went, Oh, well, I had this idea Torchwood rebirth. Da, 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 da. Would you like to possibly do it? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I then, picked up the mantle of of the tortured rebirth side of things um and from there we kind of we 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 looked at stuff so the first appearance would have been fall of the doctor we planned some episodes and i'd shown off i i'd I'd shown luke the first script that had been written there's a sort of it was a 20 page script it wasn't great it was really bad it was written by like a 16 year old version of myself um but it was it was what it was um and so i i sent that to him and i was like right okay uh this is this and he read it and he went okay cool um because in the in the first ever version and i don't know if she'll exist anymore because he's remastering a lot of stuff but effectively there was a character called olivia fox and so olivia fox was the first iteration of of the sort of gwen cooper character in in the in the torchwood series um she was going to be the sort of um sort of main character almost and so she'd appeared previously in Luke's series um, in, in some of the episodes she, she worked at UNIT. Um, and so in the original scene, 
we were going to be sort of it's it's kind of the end of time for David Tennant where he meets up all, with all of his old companions before he says goodbye, which yeah. is what happens in the episode. And so in The Fall of the Doctor, Luke goes to all of his old companions as he says goodbye. And then there's a bit in the episode, in the movie, where he falls on the, he's by the phone, he's like, Olivia, pick up, please. And he falls over and he's on the floor and he, he accidentally presses one of the buttons on the console as he falls and it always bugs me because I'm like, well, what what happened? What does that button do? You've pressed it now. Like, is mm. have we lost the bathroom? What's happened? What's what's gone? Is that why the doors explode later on? Why have you done this? Like, that's that's that's, that's just a prop. That's a prop thing for me. I would have made him redo the scene so he didn't hit a button. Um, but anyway, that means he literally falls over half the time. That's it. Yeah. So he it's the fall of the it's it's, it's the fall of continuity. Um, no, so he he presses the button and he says goodbye to Olivia, and that's because Georgia. I think there was a problem getting her to film on the day, or she wasn't available, yeah. something like that. You know that kind of thing. So yeah. she wasn't available. So me and Ben had filmed as Tommy and Fraser, and so we'd we'd gone to filming where I played Omega because obviously. I'm well known for playing Omega mainly in that movie. I also played Alpha Centauri and Archelon and K9. Though Dan Patton got credited because the K9 thing, he literally asked me nine days before the movie came out to do it, so the, the credits had already been rendered by that point because it was a 3D one, so they yeah. yeah, um, they couldn't change that. Um, but effectively, we'd been there for that, and he said, "Hey, I'd like to get the tortured people in in this this end scene." So when Olivia says goodbye to my doctor, you guys sort of do this kind of you know run up thing. So um, it, yeah. so the deleted scene came out because we filmed our bit, but she never filmed um, her bit. Uh, and so in that scene, we're running down a street and I've made this prop, which was a sort of, I, I, there, there's a video of me somewhere where I'm talking about this prop. Um, I don't, it's not online. It's, I think it's unlisted. Um, and it's basically, it was a weevil trap was the idea. So in my head, uh, Luke said there's a gadget and Tommy's messing around with a gadget and and that is so I would so be, me being me I was like well, what, what kind of gadget what's it doing what are they trying to do um, so I invented this weevil trap thing which well, is meant to lights on it, right? yeah yeah so it's got Christmas lights on it so it's so Tommy's meant to have it in the scene as we run down the street and we, we're going all sort of like um, you know I'm going like where is it Tommy you know that kind of thing and yeah, then we're meant cool, to run right. around the street and Olivia's meant to be on this mission with us and then that's what the in the deleted scene that was posted we're kind of like is that him is that the doctor because we're kind of stood over here and the doctor is meant to be over there talking to olivia and then she's meant to turn around and talk to us and then we're meant to be like right we're gonna get on with things so we run off um and so that was the general thing we were just chasing a weevil and so then when that didn't go used I then sat down and I was like, right, well, if Luke wants to have these characters in series five, because at the, in Fall of the Doctor, Luke, when we were filming it, Luke came to me and said, I really like Tommy's character. Um, would it be cool if he could be the companion in series five? I'd like to have him in uh, be the companion in series five. Um, so I was like, yeah, sure. You know, obviously, you know, it'd be good to link up Torchwood with the Doctor Who series more so. And it could be sort of, you know, in the, in the same way. So Martha went over and Jack and obviously then they came into Torchwood and it's a case of then they're, you know, in there. Um, and so that was kind of, uh, you know, that, that was the kind of thing. But then it was kind of like, oh, well, if if Fraser appears and so does Lauren and Tommy and they're all meant to be Torchwood characters, 
then really we should do something that sets them up as Torchwood characters right. before they appear in the show, because then they're just Doctor Who characters that appear in Torchwood, whereas they, they were originally written, like Tommy was written and Fraser was written as Torchwood characters. I think Lauren was already in it, but she wasn't meant to be a recurring character. She was meant to pop up maybe once in, uh, yeah, she was either meant to pop up once in How Time Flies, um, and then maybe later on, but I think she more so appeared later on, and I I, I can't confirm this because Luke hasn't told me. But um, I think she appeared more later on because of the fact that then she was picked to be in Torchwood. So it was a case of I I had Molly in mind, mm. and I went, oh well, I'd like to get Molly to come in and play this character. And he went, oh well, we've already got her in our series. She's playing this police officer. And I sat there and I went, oh, why did it have to be a police officer? Any other character than a police officer? Because now it's just a carbon copy of Gwen. Brandy. I was, I was, I was just like, God, any profession I could have worked with, but the, <laughs> the fact she is a, 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 a you know, a gorgeous dark head. Yeah, exactly. She's a gorgeous dark haired policewoman who's going to find out what Torchwood is with a like, mysterious captain. It's taking inspiration and homage from, but then there's that <laughs> and the thing is and the much. thing is that it was it was completely it was completely accidental so luke had already put her in as a policewoman and so i was stuck with her being a policewoman and so it's a case of i would have had a, and obviously like lizzie is the prime example and and olivia fox olivia fox would have been a unit soldier who got selected to be in the torture team it wasn't a case of she stumbles upon it or whatever and lizzie is 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 the is basically what olivia would have been which is a unit soldier who gets brought into the team through the proper channels rather than this kind of thing but with lauren it was very much a case of originally um in the first version we did she was gonna stumble upon it and obviously in the mini so you get an idea that she's kind of like trying to find out about this secret organization torchwood which is kind of interrupting her crime scenes and all this kind of stuff um the developed idea upon that actually led to and then none of this is happening but <laughs> it developed into um that we didn't pick her up from that point she stays as a police officer she doesn't come chasing after us it actually gets to a point in the original script that the old torchwood team die um in, in in the opening five minutes of the original new era plan we kill off most of the team um and then we're like okay we need to replace the team um we need you know we need this this and that and then i go oh i i did meet someone who might be actually quite good for our team and then we go and select her yeah and by this point as well in the story we actually had um we made her a detective so we'd actually got her to have a promotion by this point so she's not a policewoman on the beat anymore yeah. she's actually a detective and there's reasons to bring her in besides the fact that she's you know so there was levels of we were trying to separate it from being gwen but now you know it's not going to happen um and so i don't know what the original question was that led to this point we've gone on a real tangent from there it was something uh, to do with it, full of minisode. Amazing, it? it was about mainly it was about um it was the minisode and the deleted scene, I think, wasn't it? I feel like I asked you about um I asked Oh about my god, it was the visual. It was the visual and audio. Wow. Visual and audio this... question, yeah. Yeah, right, <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 get back to that one. I'll rein it in, it's fine. Um so effectively this is all because you asked me that christ um so the minisode the minisode, I'll get back to the minisode now. Um so the minisode effectively I, I had the I had this deleted scene and we needed to we needed to get the characters in first before series five. It's like, right, well, we'll do that. We'll set them up as tortured characters. So for that thing, we were at MCM Birmingham. So MCM Birmingham was going on that weekend in November. So um, which is why I'm blonde. So 
in in October of 2018, I dyed my hair for the first time ever. I went and saw ELO the night before, and then I went, you know, it's okay. classic. I went, I, I went to the O2, I went there, and I saw ELO, and it was beautiful. Jeff Lynn was there, I, like 70, maybe so, 80, I can't remember. So jealous. It, it was, I, I, it was I loved, incredible. I love Dot 2, I love Tortured, I love all of the film and TV media, but if there's one thing I love, it's Jeff Lynn and the Electric Light Orchestra. Well, you can't beat a bit of ELO. Can you? <laughs> so exactly. So it was it was amazing. Me and my dad went along. Um and what ended up happening um was the day after that, I Fantastic Beasts had come out basically. Fantastic Beasts, the crimes of Grindelwald had come out. Um and my friends were all doing um a Newt's Commander, a Queenie and a Tina, all that kind of they were doing a big group cosplay of those characters uh, from Fantastic Beasts. And so right. Hmm? I assume you did Grendelwald, right? Yeah, and so the only one that was left, and at that point I'd done Jack Sparrow as a cosplay, so I was already doing sort of, you know, depth characters. And so the only one that was left was Grindelwald. And I was like, God, if this was the first movie, I could have done Percival Graves, where where he has nice dark hair, which is what I have naturally. Um, But I got left with Grindelwald, so I went, you know what, I'll do it. I'll dye my hair blonde, and then I can also do Spike from Buffy the same weekend. Because it was October MCM London I did this for originally. And so I was like, right, I'll dye my hair blonde, and I can do two characters I really like, and it's they're both villains. You know, Spike is a kind of, he redeems himself by the end, but he's a bit of a villain. You know, he's a vampire. Um, Buffy sometimes, because I've never seen it. Really it's fantastic. Do. You'll love it. It's it's very much you can see because I think I think I definitely think Russell had seen it. I think Russell yeah, had yeah, seen Russell it and he took a lot of inspiration for the new series and Torchwood from it. It was def- there's definitely DNA in it mm. of mm. that kind of formulaic level. And so so yeah, I dyed my hair and from there I then went, oh, well, I'll do, I'll do Grindelwald again. I'll get the money's worth out of the costume because after I dye my hair back, I'm never going to do this cosplay again, basically. Yeah. Um, so I dye my hair blonde um, and we then go along to MCM November. Now, originally, How Time Flies, I think my thing came up before How Time Flies. And Actually, it, it, in, in How Time Flies, you played, was it Ashley? What was the name of that character? Ashley Jones. Ashley yeah. Jones, who was later... Played by Jack Graves. Uh, well, I was the second Ashley Jones. I won't mention who was oh, the yeah, first Ashley were. Jones, but yeah. some someone was originally the first Ashley Jones. But they didn't like the scene. I think I think they need. I think they changed their mind about how they wanted to shoot the scene or something yeah. like that. I don't know. But effectively, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get into Jones, it. I'll, fin- I'll finish the blonde. I'll, I'll, we'll get past this bloody mini so I'll do it for you. Um, so dyed my hair blonde, did Grindelwald, went along to this convention, which was in Birmingham. And so we went along to the convention during the day. And in the nighttime, we went out and we filmed the mini-sode. We had two evenings where we filmed the mini-sode. So the first evening was mainly spent doing the matching up of the weevil shots. So we actually painstakingly walked around Birmingham trying to find scenes because the episode was combat which is episode 11 i think of series one of torchwood which is where they have a lot of weevil scenes where they're chasing it so i I clipped all of those scenes out got rid of jack chasing the weevil and then we went and matched up pretty much as best we could locations i'm still very proud of that there's one shot where the weevil is there and we pan back and you see me running after it and it it was filmed in Cardiff, but our our one's in Birmingham, and it just, it matched up really well. Um, And so we we spent most of the night doing that. I think we did manage to get to the alleyway. So the alleyway 
a week before this, we went along and we watched Crimes of Grindelwald in the cinema in mm. Birmingham together, me and Molly and, 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 and someone else. Um, and we went along to that. And then we scouted a few locations. We did a lot of the promo images that people will have seen of sort of blonde, sort of Fraser. Um, and then the next time we came down, we did that. So we found this alleyway and it's just, it's literally like on the, like the Market Street Square thing. I can't remember the name of it because I've not been to Birmingham in a while, but the Market Street Square, there's a, there's a McDonald's on a ramp and around the corner from mm. that, there's this alleyway. And we walked down that and it was like, this is, this is, this is where the weevils should attack because obviously okay. in the scene, the weevils running around the end of an alleyway. And I was like, well, this is, this is a perfect alleyway for this. And so there was rats down there and all sorts. It was really grim. Um, <laughs> and so we did that night one um and then night two we we've obviously finished it off and everything so that went it went, it went really well um it was yeah. just us we we had a friend who was a video person from i can't remember what you call him he, he was a cameraman basically from um but he does like his own edits and stuff um and so he, he does stuff at comic-con where he does sort of cosplay music videos and yeah. so he came down and he helped us and he recorded everything on his really nice camera which is why it looks actually half decent um and so the basic gist of the thing was it was taking the idea that tommy and fraser were chasing after a weevil in birmingham with this device so i dug out the original prop did some modifications to it to make it a bit more interesting than what it was it was actually the actual basis of the prop was that sort of housing that I'd ripped out of my first family computer. So we had this like white blocky beast of a computer. And I took it apart and took out this inner bit. And then I stuck in some old dome lights from my Dalek build I'd done many moons ago that didn't quite work out. And then I put in um, like this gauge and some Christmas lights, which is the main sort of thing in the scene. Um, and so the whole idea came from the fact that Fraser would be chasing after a weevil. He'll be using this device, which is a weevil trap. And so the weevil trap is meant to point time distortion energy at the weevil and it because weevils are said in torture to be time sensitive to certain situations yeah, yeah. so the idea of the trap is it would point this energy a focused beam of it at the weevil and it would sort of you know give it quite the brainstorm give it a headache yeah yeah and so that was the thing and then obviously it goes wrong because it's tommy's made it and it has to go wrong um and so it goes wrong and fraser has a fight with the weevil um doesn't die you know obviously it runs off and at that point that gives us a reason to have lauren introduced mm um in the scene and so it was it was it was, it was a nice little thing to yeah. do ben couldn't ben wasn't there for the comic-con so he actually sat in his room very similar to this and set up his phone um mm. and and just pretended to be on the and i added some like monitors in, in the background but that was it so that was all done um yeah. and so so that's that's basically what happened with the minisode anyway that's 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 the whole reason yeah. it happened prior to that and nothing to do with your question. Yeah. I mean, so, so. About it. The questions are very, um, as I said, they're very just improvised. And I, mm. I um, really just want tangents. At the end of the day, it's me talking. Oh, you. you're getting it. You're getting those tangents, baby. I am getting okay. those tangents. So in terms of live action, in terms of what you've done so far in live action, of course, you've got the Minnesota. If, Talked about uh, pretty much all there is to talk about the Minnesota, really. And yeah. it, was, it was brilliant, I've got to say. It's a brilliantly put together uh, Minnesota. Uh, Thank uh, you. <laughs> it was, I, I was, I don't really do editing in that way. Like yeah. my videos, I make a more sort of almost like a documentary in a way. It's, it's very simple. Kind of so, similar here because, like, I'm mostly making audios. So when it comes to when I'm going to be making films, it's going to be a new kind of thing for me as well. It, it'll be interesting. I think I'm, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, what what with with the minisode though, and I'm I'm taking it back to the minisode. I actually edited that in Florida on holiday. I I was I was on we we filmed it in November, 
uh, like the end of November. And then midway through December, I went to Disney World on holiday. And then at the end of January, it was actually um, going to be posted. So I had to get on with it because uh, Luke wanted it out to be scheduled. Mm. So I, I was I would go to the Disney parks during the day and at like 10 o'clock at night, I'd be sat on my computer editing this mini so together uh, we'll um, holiday. We'll on Premiere Pro as well. I bought Premiere Pro to edit it. Um, and then I used it to edit that one mini sode And then I ended up paying 20 pounds a month for the rest of the year to not use Premiere Pro. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um, so that went well. And then the mini, the, the, the only other interesting thing really about the mini I can say, which is just funny, was we went to Science of the Time Lords in Leicester, the Leicester Space Centre. Mm. Um, and Luke wanted it to be sent to him the file to be uploaded like the next day i think or something like that um and so uh we we went out of the hotel and i was sat there on a computer in a mcdonald's trying to use their wi-fi desperately trying to send the minisode to luke and um we ended up using 4g from my friend's phone he hot spotted it to my laptop and we were sat there like watching this we transfer go and I was just like, oh, this is, this is, this is poor. <laughs> but it worked in the end. Anyway, to the next one. Tell, I mean, what, what do you want to know? Which, of course, is Vengeance of the Bloodline. Of course, um, Fraser in that episode, he doesn't have the biggest of roles in, 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 the, grand, in the grand scheme. But he's in it quite a bit, but he's definitely yeah. arrested. Uh, poor Fraser <laughs> in that scenario. Uh, so, funny what it was like doing that episode. and uh, Long, very yeah. long. Um, I, I felt like years of my life vanished doing that. Uh, well, it did. It literally, so, um, taking it back to MCM Birmingham, MCM Birmingham 2019, which would have been the, the next convention after the minisode, um, we went down to Birmingham the day before the convention and we went out and I was Ashley Jones, which you'd asked about earlier on. Um, so we filmed the alleyway scene where Ashley Jones gets killed by the time flies from how time flies. Um, and so I'm in disguise and I've got this wig on and I've, I've got uh, glasses because I, 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 we were literally going to go from that scene to go and film Fraser scene for the next episode. So I had to look completely like, not like myself or sound like myself, yeah. which is why he has the most ludicrous. I literally said to Luke, I was like, I, I have limited accents. I can give you Christopher Eccleston or, you know, etc. And so there was a vain, it was a vague Christopher Eccleston voice. Um, and so I'm, I'm, the other thing is, of course, Fraser Ward, uh, my, you know, the main character, he's dark clothes, very dark clothes, which is why Ashley Jones is in the lightest blue denim outfits you could possibly imagine with a bright red shirt and like an mm. Arsenal cap. I literally stole it all from like my dad's wardrobe. And so I'm wearing the complete opposite of anything you'd ever see me in. Mm. Um, and so we filmed that scene uh, and it was obviously in the original How Time Flies before it got remastered and I got replaced by some talentless hack. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> for, for anyone, that Jack Reeves is a friend. It, that is a joke. Um, and, um, I mean, you know, he's, he's not a hack. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I love you, Jack. I'm sorry. Um, but no, um, effectively, though, it's still in my job, so I can't believe it. No, um, so what happened, though, was we left that filming. We, we went from that scene um, and we went to a park. And so this was the first time I went to this park. Um, I had a cold. I had an awful cold that day as well. Like, it was genuinely terrible. Um, and so I take the wig off. And there's promo pictures of Fraser. I don't think any version of that scene will ever be seen because I think Luke doesn't have the storage space. So I think he's deleted all the footage from the original version of it because he doesn't, he literally, the, his black magic camera 
stores yeah. so much like it, it takes so much things so i think he's had to delete all the old footage to make space for the new um i did see a few brilliant scenes in the promo that weren't any episode like um there's one of you standing on the building like a typical torture shot with like looking yes. over yes yes that, that was shot. that, that was... looked incredible that was lockdown that was that was like the third time we'd come to film because the first time we filmed we went along i had the cold i had like spiky hair to hell and the wig had actually made the hair look like that and it was really weird and i was like i was sitting there going and that's the, the, the that was the day we took all the pictures that end up on all the cover photos of like the rebirth volumes because we yeah. just did a photo shoot there so it's like pictures of me and dom and everything stood together and that was in the original version of that mm. that episode that is never going to be seen um from there we went to meg's house um and we we did an interview so there's an interview of me um for some sort of anniversary of the dw 2012 or the like the little red doctor story i can't remember which one it was but there's a video of me and i have an awful cold and i'm talking about and i'm dressed as fraser and so that was that time um so from there we went down again in february of 2020 so just before the world ended mm. um so we, we went along i think it was the first of february and we filmed more we went back to that park and we filmed some scenes so we did some pickup shots um from 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 that episode um and we also filmed episode three so i i was in episode three as well as a forensic scientist in that episode so i'm like in full white with a mask on so you literally can't see it's me in another stupid accent um however i don't think that episode is coming out i think that's the original episode three which got cancelled ah yes because i um, about that and now so that was that was still life originally yeah so, so still life was the one that was meant to come out i don't know if luke's repurposing any of the scenes for other episodes because i think he mentioned that so i'm not going to tell you what happens in that scene cool, cool. um but effectively i was in it as a forensic scientist so we filmed that and more scenes in the park um jumping ahead the world ends and luke newman gets a nicer camera um and so then he wants us to refilm every scene um and so oh that was it i've missed i've missed a date so i was meant to go along and film in summer so there was there was march 2018 summer 2018 no wait march 2019 march 2019 yeah. Get my so, yeah march 2019 we filmed the first I, i'm ashley jones and we filmed the first version of vengeance of the bloodline um june or july 2019 that's when the slovene are being filmed with so the sliving get filmed with for the first time there was an older version of the sleeping sliving costume and there is a video of when luke newman got the head luke newman got the head for the first time and when we went along and filmed the the minisode the tortured minisode uh, from the ashes there's a video of me with blonde hair messing around with the slovene head on being like i need to be naked brother your body is magnificent you know that scene um <laughs> I so i did i did that whole thing um, the one thing with Bloodline and like the Slovene is that it wasn't a surprise. It was not a surprise <laughs> that it was the Slovene. No, I, I, the first, he shouldn't have done it. Like, like if, I don't know if Luke watches these things, but if, if Luke sees it, yeah, 
the, the sound effect we could i could have it could have gotten away with maybe the blue light the blue light maybe from a distance from because he cuts to the outside window so there could have been a because yeah. he has the and everyone's going where's well, the slovene isn't it he's going oh well it could have been the mask but no it's not is it you like like there's no point and then tommy shows up five seconds later holding vinegar in his hands <laughs> okay. like like he may as well have been holding like it's pickled eggs but he may have well just been holding a jar like, with the word vinegar on the know, side the, the idea of him having like food in every episode that's fine <laughs> but vinegar pickled eggs from from like biscuits to pick uh, yeah i mean the, the thing is it, it's a it's a means to the end isn't it it's it's tommy has been given the plot device he carries the plot device with him Although to kind of end that line, they did do the last scene in the kitchen. I was going to lead to that, yeah. So the last scene, they run through a kitchen, a place famous for having vinegary foods in it, and, and Tommy wouldn't, like, they could have had them run into the kitchen, and Tommy go, pickled eggs, I'll grab those. And then, you know, the, it, the scene could have been done in a way that they, they're in the kitchen and the sliving, because the sliving literally points it out to them. The sliving is like, you're carrying a weapon on you. And he's like, what? Yeah. And it's like, maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that because you probably didn't know that that was a weapon yeah. until just now. So I it was... Say, I, I did like episode two. I thought it was it was a good episode. Episode two is one of the... I Easily, I, I genuinely would say one of the best ones he's ever done. I, th- I, I think yeah, yeah, the, I agree. I think the actual good. quality of the episode, the slivine costume as well. Obviously, there was a little bit of kind of, you know, people saying about the mouth and stuff. Who cares about the mouth? The thing is, it works. There was a there was a proper mouth talking on top of the mask in the thing. I have seen far worse attempts at other things to you know in general that that don't even look half as that good. And it was that's not even English, but it, it, yeah, it was yeah. a case of that was really well done. And yeah. hats off to him. It he was really. It was brilliant. I mean, I've got to say, it was really practical. Really, kind of. It, 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 mm. You could see it was just the you could, you yeah, could, no, no, completely, instantly recognisably a Slovene. Not even like a, not even like a dodgy attempt. It was solid. Like it's, it's, it's a proper, proper Slovene, especially for a fan budget. Like you know, um, it, the the arm was done by uh, Philip Thomas Robinson, who is a, a consummate professional in these kind of things. He's done. He also did the trickster mask that I wore for yeah. later on. We'll obviously get onto that. Um, but. Um, he, he does wonderful work on all these kind of things. So I, I'd got him in touch with Luke. Um, what happened was Luke, uh, well, he does loads of monsters for events. So he puts together like Silurians yeah. and all kinds of bits and bobs. And he's recently done a Tetrap. Um, and they're, they're yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible costume, genuinely very impressive. And so um, he was doing all these things. And I was like, Luke, you should get him in to do your stuff. Like, like you know, and so I was, I messaged Phil. And I said, Phil, would, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my mate Luke to message you. He does these fan films. You should totally hop on this. Um, and so Luke then got him in to do a few little bits. But he obviously did the arm because Luke had already bought the head. So the head was this latex sort of rubbery thing that he bought off of, um, he bought off of eBay. So they yeah. had the head. The head kind of comes down to about here. So everything from here on up is is an, is a custom thing that was made by someone else. Um, then the arm up to about here-ish is 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 yeah. Phil. Um, I think the thing. I think the actual claws were Luke, um, and maybe the bone bit that comes out the sort of bone arch thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then the body was Luke. So Luke did the did the sculpting on the actual kind of thing. I think he carved it out kind of foam and stuff. And and so he did that. And then he did the blending and he made the other arm as well. Um, and then he painted it all to match up and everything. So he did do a solid amount on it. But um, 
but yeah, no, and, and Phil did a wonderful job on the arm. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm in the process of trying to get one of those arms from Phil because I'd like to have a sort of Henry Van Staten style. Oh, that's a bit, that that's a bit be, of Slovene. That would be <laughs> Slovene's arm. It's been stuffed because um, I've got I've got the Cyberman head in the garage. And yeah. I've made the Roswell Milometer, or when we got a model of the Roswell Milometer. So I just want to have a few of the kind of, you know, it's sad when you when you when you sit down as a child and you go, I want to be the doctor when I grow up, and I turned into Henry Van Staten. There is a Dalek sat in my garage currently. You know, speak to me, Dalek. <laughs> now I know your name. Um, and so. So, I, I felt like I was talking to Emerson. That's the thing. I'm, I'm going to leave you on, on some street somewhere beginning with S. Mm. Seattle, Santa, Santa Fe, somewhere mm. beginning with S. Um, so, uh, yeah. And I, I so like to that he ended up on Scarborough. Yeah. Did he end up or was it M? I can't remember. Was it M? It was M. It yeah, one of them, one of them, one of them's M, and one of them's S, because she said she sends him somewhere with S, I think, and yeah, and then and then he yeah. says somewhere with M, maybe. I know yeah. maybe the other way around, but details, details. Um, so yes, so we they did the filming with the Slovene, yeah. and um, I couldn't make it. It was a very, it was the hottest day of the year, in fact. Mm. Um, <laughs> and originally I was meant to be wearing the Slovene costume, which is interesting because Luke ended up wearing it because Dom couldn't fit into it, and me and Dom. I'm actually taller than Dom, so yeah. I would have been very interested to see how that ended up playing out. So uh, Luke ended up having to wear it, um, and but subsequently, because I didn't turn up to that filming, mm. Fraser got written out. Um, so I because on that day we were going to go off and do all the Fraser scenes separately. So there were scenes originally um, with the Doctor and Fraser. I so you know how Meg. And the docs, I don't know if this, I, I didn't get all the scripts, so Luke only sent me the bits with me in. Um, but I, as far as I can tell from that scene, Dom and Meg go into the building and yeah. then Meg leaves to join Tommy again and the doctor gets captured. I, in the original version, me and Dom go to unit and get captured when we go into the building. And so we're together and Meg and Tommy are always together doing the other plot. And yeah. so it kind of became a mix. Yeah, I, 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 it was noticeable to an extent that there mm. was a lot of Fraser cut because you had like the Doctor and Fraser like saluting and waving at each other like they've spent more yes. than five minutes with each other, which they really haven't in the context of the plot because like. Mm. So that was in the original right, script. Yeah. So the original script it ends with me doing that. What's interesting though is that they were still filming on the old camera, so they refilmed the scenes with the Slovene. So there was a complete opportunity to have Fraser be in the second yeah. version as it was originally intended. However, Luke decided, I think he said he, he he liked it better this way or it worked better or something. So so Fraser subsequently remained cut um, from the from the general thing. So what ended up happening from there was we then came back to film again. Luke had bought yeah. a new camera, the world ended, et cetera, et cetera. And that's when um, we came back to do the February filming. Um, mm. And so the February filming is the first time he's got the new camera, I think. And yeah. so that's when we did a lot of the park scenes. And I think we did the scene with me and was Ben there that day. I think Ben was there that day because Ben didn't turn up to the second time. So there was a second time where me and yeah. Molly went along and we filmed our stuff mainly. I mean, and that's... Hmm. Talking of Ben, of course, I mean, yes. he's the companion in the series, Tommy, but he's also Tommy in Tortured Rebirth. I mean, there's, yes. there are, uh, I think we've discussed it in the past, but there are some stark 
uh, differences between his characters in Rebirth and uh, and DW Two Twelve. Where did uh, with Rebirth um, was that kind mm-hmm. of like with Rebirth? What did you want to do with Tommy that couldn't really be done on Doctor Who? Couldn't really be done in a DW Twenty Twelve series, really, pretty much. Um, so Tommy in DW Twenty Twelve, he uh, he he's basically got a lot more. He's more comic relief for them. He's become sort of the Mickey, the sort of, you know, the, the Danny Pink. He's the side character kind of thing that shows up alongside the main companion. Um, and that's kind of his role. And the thing is, with Luke, Luke's taking him in a direction which is more so being the comic relief element, um, as far as I, I can tell. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, in this story. The difference is Tommy in our series has sadness depth to him kind of thing mm. um that's because in like dw2012 him and meg kind of carried out amy and rory style dynamic um, yes very much an amy and rory style dynamic so um tommy is is often there to um to, to, to sort of compliment meg more so than being his own kind of character um from from the start of these episodes he's 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 doing his own stuff Mm. still but it's still very much if they are the two companions it's very amy focused meg focused on on being that character and the same way it was rose focused and mickey then is you know girl in the fireplace and age of steel mickey is there but Mm. you know rose is is still the companion isn't she so there's a case of he is very much a side piece to to the main companion in, in, in whereas way, yeah whereas in rebirth he is treated as a main character he is you know there is there is often in most scripts that we've we've done and episodes we've done in the past it is very much tommy and fraser are the two main characters and so there's this kind of thing so the way he's treated in rebirth is you know in, in especially in rebirth volume one and, and all the other ones is that he's doing his own thing he's got his own role and but there's there's levels to him so he is the funny man he's got comedy to him but i often think that people who are funny are inherent inherently sad you know comedy comes yeah. from trauma and so the, the you know sometimes the funnier you are the more sad you are secretly on the inside yeah, because you're masking it i've had quite a few conversations with like really funny people about sort of things like that i mean i mean I even like once after like mcm london i bumped into a uh, jimmy carr randomly on the oh train. Because he was right. just the train. Like I'd spend all these all all the day. What was like, he taking the train for? Was his car broken? <laughs> <laughs> and like, because uh, I was supposed to go see him with my dad, but then coped him. And of course, right. Of course, with what happened at the beginning of this year, mm. um, obviously, I I just went up and said uh, I was going to see you with, with my dad, but it got cancelled. And he said, and then he he asked me how my dad was to which obviously <laughs> he's not doing too great personally he's not doing too great at the moment no. <laughs> uh, to which uh, yeah and then i respond like that but then it turned out like we had we had a very nice conversation because it turned out he was like the one person like i needed to see because we had a really in-depth conversation about grief he didn't exactly mm. tell me what happened because in situations like that you don't really no. talk about your own experiences and then he, and then I looked it up later, and um, he was talking to me about this grief cast and the grief podcast. And it turns out his mother was one of his main inspirations, and she sadly passed away when he was quite young. So I think a lot of comedians and just comedic people in general, and um, have like 
it's, it, it, there's depth, as you said. Yeah, depth, yeah, exactly. They, they've, they've, I think it was Robin Williams who said that, that funny people are often people that are sad that are trying to stop other people from being that way because they know yeah. what it's like. And so Tommy, that's the element I think that is missing from the DW 2012 version, I think, because I it's agree. also Doctor Who. The, the other thing is Doctor Who, there is a level of it's the family show. Torchwood is the adult show. And ideas and concepts of the fact that Tommy is inherently, you know, probably depressed. You know, he's, he's, he's got layers to him. He's got trauma. I'd also argue kind of the same logic applies to Sarah Genevieve as well. Cause like Sarah, yeah. I think it's also like the same logic that Doctor is mainly like going from one adventure to the next. While Sarah Genevieve and Torchwood, you're following one ensemble and you can really- You're following human characters exactly. and in humanity, it's very hard to avoid concepts of things that are so intrinsically human. I mean, obviously Torchwood gets a lot of flack, like, you know, the sex elements and all that kind of stuff, but sex is everywhere when it comes to humanity. Like it, it, is, it is intrinsically in everything that we see in life, in marketing and all this kind of stuff. And so unavoidably in the more adult show, it's going to be addressed. But with Sarah Jane, I think it was very handled very well and in very yeah. importantly, concepts that they have in there because of the fact that young people were going through these kind of things. Yeah, like Clyde and his dad, for instance, that, that yeah, whole no, that whole storyline. I was going to like um Mad Woman in the Attic with Rani feeling isolated from everyone else. I felt like that, that yeah. kind of harkens on what uh, Martha and Rose kind of the Martha and Rose kind of dynamic of Martha yeah. being shadowed by Rose. I think, uh, you know, Ronnie being, being overshadowed by Maria. Yeah, it was, it was like very... It, it works better with... It works better as an sort of arc within that episode for Ronnie than it did for Martha. Martha it kind yeah. of overshadowed quite a lot. Of no, no, because the thing is, the, the thing is they, they went too hard on it with, with, with Martha. It was, it was too much of making her the rebound, which is complete. I, I really hate that element because Martha, any other scene where they don't mention Rose, magnificent character. Uh, you know, she, she appears more so, I think, than any other character outside of her thing. You know, she comes back in series four, she appears in Torture, yeah, she comes back at the end of time. She gets more time than anyone else. One of else. my favourite companions. She, no, she's, she's a legend, an icon, but it's, it's one of those things that is suddenly like, they then mention it again and you're like oh we're doing this again are we okay right cool and then it gets back to her being a normal character and yeah. it's like and it's it, it, it does annoy me i i could understand maybe the first few episodes maybe like the last possible one shakespeare code possibly where when they're in the bed like up to that point by the end of that episode maybe shakespeare flirting with her or something she goes you know what i don't need to chase you around and i'm I fine i don't mind it being brought up by jack in utopia because that makes yeah, sense. Like, cause last time you saw them, Rose was there and the Doctor was a northerner with uh, belly and mm. hair, you know, belly and spiky hair and a leather yeah, jacket. I think yeah, makes, like, like she, uh, she'd want to know that kind of thing. She'd want to sit down and ask him about those kind of things and all that kind of stuff. So that's fine. But there is a sort of, there is a sort of level of, of, of it being, you know, mm. it begins to get too, too much kind of yeah. thing. But, but, but yeah, yeah, with... with Going back to search yeah. events, I think, uh, you know, like the Mad Woman, the Attic, the Nightmare Man sticks out to me as one that kind of... Because, that like, one's very deep because Clyde having fears that he'll never be what he wants to be an artist and he'll end up working in a McDonald's for the rest of his life or whatever, or Rani will have to teach fake news to people or whatever, she'd have to lie on them. Like that, it, that scene with um, Luke in the car with Sarah, mm. and where he's like... I mean, even the fact that he's afraid is quite—it's it, very mm. human, and it takes. I, I think the the I think the, the, the trickster ones, any trickster oh, one, the, trickster the, one. The, 
So the bear concept... in mind, disassociating it from the writer. Oh yeah, that guy's an asshole. No, but um, the but the, the, the act to, to do the classic separate the art from the artist. It yeah, it's, it's in you know unavoidably and and especially the trickster links now. Mm. Um, it's it's unavoidably done. So it, it, I can't change my childhood. Um, yeah. but the 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 ideas played around in those stories just the, the her friend has to sacrifice her literally her friend has to kill herself um at the end of the episode to let her live and there's a point where she chooses to let her friend die and you're like what the hell there's and then the next like, one the parents there's, there's a i know but like there's the speech in um whatever happens to jane and um it, Andrea is talking about being on the verge of death. Mm. She's talking about, you know, kind of similar themes to Torchwood and that, because of course, yeah. have the darkness and everything. And like, mm. Andrea is like, oh, do you know what it feels like to be knowing you're going to die? Knowing mm. that you're hanging on to that pier and uh, yeah. entering that moment. And then of course, nobody else does. But also, there's one very dark, very dark moment in that nobody thinks about because it's a character but nobody be adulted not be adult but it's the child slavine because it's wearing a skin suit oh it's yeah well the fact that. it's killed it's killed two children it's it killed, killed, two killed children. one and, then and there is there's a prologue in the uh, novel of the lost boy and you know how the yeah. uh, child slavine is an asshole he's just yeah, a yeah. arrogant asshole but the kid he skinned was really nice really polite oh. like one of the best people you could ever meet and and like the novel really goes into that and tells you that this kid was a of course it does <laughs> and then he was only two days away from retirement like he, the prologue know, was all about like the disappearance of his family and then you realize that the mother and the father in that episode aren't the kid's parents oh they were all the same family in that like um and it's wow it's like the novel really Sarah Jane Sarah Jane is surprisingly dark like I think people forget about how dark it is but if you really look at if you sat down and think about every concept like Warriors of Kudlak is is, is kids getting kidnapped to to fight an alien war and And then it turns out it doesn't even matter in the end it wasn't it was a crazy machine uh, the mother crying at the beginning and talking about yeah. how she lost her. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's, it's on the same level as Adrift in that way. There, there, there's, there's so many similar things, to, and people think about Adrift as this big thing with, you know, with Jonah and, and, and Ruth Jones and all that kind of stuff. But but there is a Sarah Jane Adventures alternative to it. Yeah. And like, it, uh, it Clyde Langer. Curse of Clyde Langer is the worst. Curse of Clyde Langer, in the sense of it's the best, but it is the one that I sit there and I feel the most pain watching. Oddly, so. I mean, Temptation of Sarah Jane is 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 a shocking one because that one is is she has to send her parents off to die, and there's that whole kind of Father's Day formula. But it's got the most painful bit of it is the note at the end where it says, "Mr. Smith, I need you," and I'm like, ah. Oh, it's so heartbreaking, but in the, like the best possible way. In like, the best way, yeah. I, I, yeah, I it, love Sarah It's one of the best shows that ever to ever happen, really. And for a kids show as well, it just. I, I, would, I, would I don't know. I don't know how we'll segue back to this. So, do you want to see the thing while we while we while we're on? That is kind of where <laughs> I, I, I was leading to because I was talking about that the prop you're about to show me and another prop you have in the workshop that 
comes from the Gorgon two-parter. And I, you'll inst- you, of course, you instantly know. Oh, oh well, there's actually, there's, there was two in the workshop, so I didn't know which one you meant there. I have oh. a gun from the Warriors of Kudlak currently sat in the workshop, uh, one of the slab guns. I actually now have a slab costume, the full outfit, the screen-used one from the show. Um, so this is the Don't main one. This, one. this is this is Bubble Shock. It contains Bane, which is organic. Um, so drink it. Right <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to drink, drink it. it. Drink there, it. There's nothing on earth that could make me drink what is inside. So this bottle has okay. remained sealed for 17 years, or maybe 80. I don't know. So 2007, the first of first of January 2007, Invasion of the Bane, the pilot for Sarah Jane aired, which had the Bane and Bubble Shock in. So this is from production 2006. Mm. Um, which makes it nearly as old as you, I think. Um, I was 2003, born in 2003, so... Right, so the, this this would have been... You would have been free when this was made. So I actually saw someone uh, someone from production confirm this is a genuine prop. Uh, it wouldn't have been the hero prop because they removed the, um, the, logo, the, the, the text from the top. Mm. However, this would have been a screen-used um one that would probably someone would have been walking around going drink it or it would have been one of the ones in the bucket we we don't know which one it is but it is a a screen used proper one so it's got the whole label one day everything like come on i i can smell it i can smell it and it is some sort of orange pop but it is it is is 17 years old man the other thing is also people it's not even just a case of the fact it's grim to think of the concept of drinking a 17 year old drink it's also the fact of this is all precious liquid this is all screen used liquid if i drink this then i've ruined a bit of this prop like i i don't need to drink this i have many other beverage options in this house i don't need to drink this very expensive prop um so yeah so yeah so the other the one you you were mentioning i don't i I don't have it here at the moment it's it's it is um it is custodianed over by my friend um sonic bolt statue of we, jackson from eye of the gorgon yes so the so when alan jackson so when alan jackson is turned into a statue in eye of, eye of the gorgon gorgon by the gorgon um they, they actually made a full six foot something casting of joseph milson who played maria's dad and alan jackson um and so it popped up on eBay. So, so basically, there was there was a, so the casting department must have had it sat around, and the story goes that it was sold to the person on eBay in an yeah. auction many moons ago. Um, they had a few other props, like um, like a, one of the ventriloquist dummies from the God Complex, and a few other bits and pieces yeah, yeah. like that. Um, and so they put it up on eBay, but. I think it was marked so obscurely that it didn't show up barely on any searches. So yeah. we got full reign of that auction. Like no one saw it. So we put in our, our bid. I won't say how much, but it, it wasn't very much in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, and, and, and acquired it. So currently we're doing. Yeah. So his back had sort of broken. There was, cause it was, it's, it's, a, it's a mannequin. It's an actual um, shop mannequin that they've then put on the sort of casted skin layer too. So it's, it is it is a level of it's kind of fragile on the outside. Um, and so he's, he's pretty good. There's some bits of damage on him. And so what we're currently working on is how to stabilize him. We don't necessarily want to restore him back to full working order because that takes away the history of what's happened to him. Of course, um, but, but if he's going to crumble to nothingness, we do want to make sure that he is at least in a stable condition. So that's kind of what we're doing there. 
Um, every prop you have, out of like the Dalek, the Skagger head at the back there, out of every single one of them, for some reason I find the Alan Jackson statue to be the one I'm most <laughs> jealous of. The one I'm... I yeah, no, it's weird, isn't it? Like like I have so many iconic props. I have yeah. I have like I, I don't often I, I've I've moved more recently into collecting screen used props. Like I had a I had one or two, like I had some banknotes from the runaway bride and a few bits and pieces. But recently I've kind of picked up um a few more uh recognizable bits and alan jackson's the weirdest one alan jackson's the one that like the bubble shop yeah maybe that one one of those would pop up eventually cool i have swords from class you know yeah. Yeah, oh cool that that cool. i could I, I could imagine those being you know chucked out in a skip and someone picking them out and selling them you know fair That's enough very cool the, but no alan jackson but Alan Jackson, a six-foot effigy of Joseph Milson, is the weirdest one. And so on Twitter, I, I because Joseph Milson was recently in Moon Knight as Stephen yeah. Grant, um, and so so I tweeted him about um, about Moon Knight. I think I think because Stephen Grant, the character, spoilers for anyone who's not seen Moon Knight, and it, this isn't a big one. At some point in the show, he gets turned into stone, and I went. And I did the whole sort of, if I had a nickel for every time that Joseph Nelson's character got turned to stone, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that so, kind of, it needs work, but um, yeah. a platypus, Perry the platypus, it's, it's not, it, it's not what it could be. Um, uh, but effectively, effectively, um, I tweeted him about it. And I think I posted nice to see Joseph Milson in, in the show. And um, uh, recently, weirdly, I've acquired Alan Jackson and he was like, and he came in, he was like, I wondered where the hell that gone. And I was like, yeah, I know. Um, and I think I said something along the lines of like his, uh, his back is in a bit of a bad way. Uh, hopefully yours yeah. is better. And he said, and he said, that's an accurate representation of how my back feels. <laughs> and so we had a little bit of a laugh about it. Um, and so, yeah, I'd like to get him on a video. Like that's my main thing at the moment. I'd like to because we're restoring the statue, and I'd like to get him in a video with the statue, the statue. to, oh to kind God. of re reunite them. I was kind just mention. I'd like to bring him on here and talk all things Alan Jackson. It would be it would be cool. It's it's effectively like it's, it's you know it might not happen. Something some nice things do happen in in the world, but it would be good because we're we're going to put a lot of we're putting a lot of work and effort into making sure it gets stabilized, and then we're going to give it a good you know museum level home someday. You know we're we're working on on getting a, a workshop currently, a sort of yeah. and it would also double up as a display place for some of these sort of props we're archiving because that's the thing. It's not just a case of getting them for our own needs. Oh, it's a case of we. we we want to archive them, restore them, keep them safe because some things end up neglected or they end up on, you know, in the skip and that kind of preservation. Yeah. And so Alan Jackson's one of those things that I think everyone loves Alan Jackson apart from Chrissy, but maybe even she might like him. Um, yeah. And she yeah. And she does. She does a bit, um, uh, you know, Calamity Jane and all that. Um, but effectively, though, um, oh, coming around. Um, but effectively, um, He's. He, I just love him. I love that character, and That's so to so to cool. be able to have Alan Jackson, the, like like there's 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 Joseph Milson, and then there's the statue of Alan Jackson, and it's like one of those weird things. It's like 
I don't know why, like maybe one of the other statues that were in the garden or something, you know, that kind of thing. Like the only one I know of that exists still was the Gorgon. The Gorgon's in storage and the Gorgon actually was in the Doctor Experience. So there was in the experience as an interactive bit, you walked through yeah. and there was a bit with the Weeping Angels and the Gorgon statue, when it got turned to stone at the end, was hidden in amongst that display. Um, and like no one really noticed it. And I didn't notice it until the final day. We were on the last tour of the Doctor Experience ever. Um, and we went through and I saw the flash of lightning and I saw it stood there and I went, how have I never noticed that? What the hell? That's, that's incredible. Is there really Amy cool, Rory's it? gravestone? And it is, it's, I'd love to have that. Um, but Joseph Milson is, is no second best statue in this one. He's, you know, he's, he's amazing. Um, but yeah, he's, he's currently watched over by uh, Sonic Bolt. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, he, I, think he's, I think Alan stands in his mum's bedroom. I think, I think literally like at the moment, um, they're like, cause, <laughs> cause he's just got a flat rather than like a workshop and stuff. So the plan originally was to bring him here, Strange but because he's, bedroom. yeah, anything can happen. But because he's such a fragile statue, we, 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 we're trying to do the work there instead mm. of bringing it here because he might get damaged in transit so we don't want to move him unnecessarily so we want to kind of stabilize him as best we can before doing that and moving him to a sort of permanent home in the workshop uh yes anyways where were we oh yes joseph milson is a statue uh joseph Mil we, i feel like we spoke as much as we could about joseph milson yeah. as a statue uh, um i'm a prop chef of course you have the scarecrow in the background there a piece I of do. doctor's tardis of work I believe. Which one? Yeah. That one? Yeah, that's that yeah. is that is a TARDIS roundel from 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 the RTD era. Very cool. Um, I, I um, you, when I imagined you bringing that down or showcasing it, I imagined you like Elton, like bringing down Ursula <laughs> camera. We've even got a bit of a love life. No, um, <laughs> it's. Uh, I love that episode. I'll I'll take any opportunity to bring it up. And yeah, is that um is that the uh, vinyl for Doctor Who series one series one and two the OST? That it I is. Know? That is the original soundtrack for I mean, uh, the orange version. Banger. I just got that the other day. Oh, nice! It I is. Mean, it is. Yeah. I well, I I tried to sort of pick up anything to do with with that era because it's my favourite, and so I was like, oh, I've got to got to get the record of the soundtrack. We we're recently about to put a um. Uh, a record player up in the up in our lounge so i was like yeah. oh, better get a record to play on it i feel like it'd be quite cool um, I, I, I recently um uh because i'm planning on taking my record player to uni uh, which i'm going to later on in the year and i came across one of my favorite records of all time which i've never gotten on vinyl in antique shop uh from out of blue eli which mr blue sky obviously i have got the i have got the blue and, edition upstairs oh and of course you know, everyone goes on about Mr. Blue Sky, but there's so many brilliant songs like Turn Stone. I mean, of Turn course, Stone. Um, there's like, uh, well, not, not on that album, but uh, Don't, Don't Bring Me Down. Don't uh, Bring Me Down. Uh, Living Thing. thing. Hey. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, um, Canada. Yes, yes. Telephone Line. Oh, all, all Around the World. Evil Woman. All Over Beethoven. That one's yeah, I'll do, I'll do sweet talking woman, evil woman. Sweet evil woman, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's when it's when you are when you say something about like the the songs, they all left my head. I'm sitting going, yes, mm. that's the one I like. I'm just like, hang on. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they're all they're all bangers. They really are. My dad, they're my dad's favorite band growing up, so I was raised upon them. Um, and that, that concert we went to was mad. You know, like when you see people dancing in the 70s or the 80s to mm. sort of these things, and you're like, God, and you see people doing that dancing in films, and you go, did people really dance like that? I don't see anyone doing that. 
They yeah. just got older. They still dance like that. So uh, these songs are coming on and Don't Bring Me Down comes on and suddenly the entire O2 stands up and it's all these sort of middle-aged people just doing all these, you know, and I'm just sort of going, what in God's name has happened here? They're just boogie on down. It's, and it's just like, um, I got me spinning time. going out of my mind. Um, and so, so yeah, it, it was, it was, it was really fun. Um, Funny enough, I got I got into ELO through Love and Monsters. <laughs> no, you can't. Have, I mean, to be fair, I feel like I got into David Bowie because of Life on Mars. Like, I feel like I wasn't that into like into David Bowie until I watched Life on Mars. Yeah, Listen I mean, to considering I was like around, must have been around five, six, something like that mm. when I watched Love and Monsters. It was probably the first time I ever heard it, but I didn't know who the and was because I wasn't really paying attention to when Elton was saying the name, but but then I really got into it once I figured out. I really yeah, like- I, I I suppose I suppose Love and Monsters because also my dad did play it, but like, uh, Mr. Blue Sky and Love and Monsters was really a catalyst to me listening to them. I suppose when I yeah. in the same way, sort of like the Rogue Traders did mm. Voodoo Child, which appears obviously in in um, Sound Drums, uh, yeah. Last of the Time Lords, um, along with Can't Decide by Scissor Sisters. Yeah, and I- both of those, I only listen to that. But now with the Scissor Sisters, I listen to like um, their other songs like Laura and the rest of yeah, the yeah. Tadar Tada album. Um, and, and well, Laura's not on that album, but the rest of them are. Um, like, She's My Man and uh, I Don't Feel Like Dancing. Um, oh, love that one. All bangers, all bangers. Music was just better in the 2000s, and I will die on this hill. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. I think I'm, I'm trying to think. What I'm, I'm trying to bring it back to topics we should be discussing, really, Doctor yeah. Who wise, because I feel like we've 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 strayed. I mean, like it's 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 fine to stray, but I feel like you asked me a question many tracks ago that we've completely gone off. Ah, oh, yes. Well, that's always the best. I still don't think I've told you the difference between live action and audio Fraser. I feel like, and I feel like... you never will. <laughs> You'll never find out. I feel like there's someone sat here who's been watching it from the start going, but what is the difference? It's Connor. <laughs> Connor's sat there going, oh. oh um, definitely you. And, yeah. The difference is I, I can give a better performance because I get to try again. Whereas it's um, the, the, the mini sode wasn't so bad because I was directing it and I got my own time. With Luke Newman, it could be the 1960s, basically, because it's very much a case of, right, that's good. We'll go and like, can I do that again? No, 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 that was fine. I'm like, it's, 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 a, but, but, uh, you know, it's, it's literally like the, um, the Toast of London thing that was the other day. It's just like, I coughed halfway through. I didn't hear anything. But, uh, yeah, I mean, oh, that was the other thing you mentioned that I really like. Toast of London. Everyone loves Toast of London. I really wish Matt Perry would join the show. I saw him on the BFI recently. There's he's amazing. Guy. He's an amazing man. Well, well, well. I, I, he's he's the best uh, IT crowd character. He, he, oh, he, yeah. Father! <laughs> I, I did that uh, in Time Fracture because I went dressed up as Brian Ewood. And I put the mask on before, you know, spoilers, Brian dies in the corner of the room. <laughs> and so I'm like, you know, doing that in the Ud mask and going, Father! but nobody could really hear me through the mask. So um, I, I was uh, just there cradling him. And um, I assume you heard about when I pulled his arm off because I did. Yeah, violence, just sheer violence. Like, unintentional violence. People were pulling me back, pull me back. And like, I just. Vanessa, I thought you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so it was with Brian the Ood, actually. My, my favorite memory of that entire thing was my friend Ollie. 
Um, and so Ollie, Ollie was in. We went into the room. Is that Ollie and the cosplayer, or is that another? Is that that is Ollie the cosplayer. So Ollie the cosplayer who um, he, he helps me on projects. So he he script edited um, Standstill, the mini so the, the mini audio mm. one that came out, and he yeah. uh, also did the script editing on the first new era script which won't be made but he's he's helping in some capacities on other projects at the moment um which i i've not mentioned anywhere online yet but i i was given permission to tell you about the things if you want to know about bbc's oh. doctor who um <laughs> i would i yeah. would like to talk about it because i was wondering whether we could talk about that but it'd be good well i yeah. i will i'll tell you about the brian the Ood story first and then i'll tell you about bbc's doctor who um so with time fracture for those of you who don't know i worked on time fracture there is a video with jack reeves out there where i talk a lot about that however after that video i went back and did a few more bits and pieces on it uh, i got more ingratiated with the cast which was really nice they're all wonderful wonderful talented people and they're all doing great things now um but effectively with time fracture me and my friend ollie went in um we got to this room and so spoilers and obviously time fracture is gone now so it you know, that might not matter but i don't know if they're bringing it back but effectively brian new dies um in the story now the universe at the end of the story does get reset so brian isn't dead canonically in the universe he could still be out there if they decide to bring him back um however within this storyline he is killed by a time agent or a, well a gallifreyan agent called zariah um who and so he's lying on the floor of this kind of almost like a bathroom looking place it looks like a sort of almost like a sort of it had like a fly killing thing in the corner and a sink and it's, he's just there with all this goo all over the wall and over his brains and um and then we're, we're there with a time lord guy and so she comes in she goes oh no brian what should we do and um all he goes well, I suppose we'll have to harvest the organs. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone in the room just looks at him. I'm dying. I've lost. I'm like, and then I'm just like, yeah, I imagine ood tentacle fetches a pretty penny on the black market. Um, and so we're just, <laughs> but it was one of those things that me and Ollie found it funny. Maybe one or two other people in there, but the whole group of just sort of normal people are all kind of going, what? And the Time Lord guide's like, yeah okay <laughs> and and uh, it was it's a family show so it was a bit dark uh, even though there was a dead ood on the floor that has brains yeah. shot across I mean, the wall so I, like i had a right joke about when i went to time pressure like I, I ended up going what six times in the end like um... i went 12 times in the end mm. yes yeah, so I, I was there on the first dress rehearsal i think i was on i was on at least one of the first dress rehearsals i, I obviously came in before the um came in before the show even started uh, when they were still setting up to hand over the props i'd made i made a timey wine detector uh sonic lipstick and a few other bits and pieces to yeah. sort of kick around uh, like a jubilee pizza box in torchwood and all that kind of stuff um and then i consulted on the various kind of rooms and so in torchwood, by the way that was one detail that i did immediately notice so yeah, so that was so I went into Torchwood um, with the art director Ryan Ryan O'Connor, very talented man. Um, and so we went into we went into Torchwood, and he was very good. He was very good, but there was I feel like there was a level of no one's as obsessive as I am. Like it, it's, it's it's nothing bad on them. It's it, no one is as mad obsessed with props. And the the problem yeah. with time fracture in the sense of this is for for, for my involvement was the fact that. I had already done this for fun. Like, like I had already done all the research you need to know for what they needed to do for the, for my own self. And so that 
is a sad fact. It is a real sad fact in my life. Like it, I enjoy it, and it's what I enjoy. That's but enjoy, no yeah. one should have researched the Jubilee pizza box that is used in Torchwood. Now, I I copied the graphics exactly. So the graphics on the Jubilee, even the font and everything, is the exact thing on the pizza boxes that Gwen holds in Torchwood. Now there were two Jubilee right. pizza boxes. So Jubilee pizza box, the history of this, we're going on a tangent now, boy. So All Jubilee right. pizza boxes first appear in Dalek, a story written by Robert Sherman, I think Robert that's his Sherman. name. Robert, Robert Sherman, who wrote Jubilee. I met him actually. Oh, well, so Jubilee was written by Robert Sherman, wasn't it? Which is a story very similar to Dalek. Yeah, Jubilee inspired Dalek. Jubilee was kind of it was it was written first, of course. It was the big finish with the sixth doctor and Evelyn, even being one of my favorite companions, but standing for another day. Uh, and then it was kind of it was sort of adapted to Dalek, but very it was I would consider it vastly different, but also yeah, I imagine so. But but did Robert did Robert write it? Yes, Robert wrote Dalek and Jubilee. Right. So Jubilee pizza shows up in Dalek. It's it's on one of the I think there's a Jubilee pizza box on the thing. It has a different logo and stuff. However, the same logo from Bat does, does appear on the computer screen in Torchwood. So it's yeah. their old logo. Mm. Then we copied the new pizza boxes that were used in all the other series from then on. Yeah. Uh, the other time I think Jubilee Pizza shows up is in the lodger. I think Craig has one of the leaflets in his hands when he's going through. Anyway, um so Effectively, though, I copied that pizza box and it was on the table. So I, I walked into the room and I said to Ryan, this is great. You know, you've got the, got the wall that says torch, we've got the monitors and everything. But there's some things that are a bit weird. For instance, there was pictures of Jack's grandson and uh, uh, grandson and daughter on Tosh's desk. And there was also Gwen's desk. And then there's pictures of Gwen and Reese next to the hand in the jar. And I'm sat there going, that should be the other way around. If you're going to have the hand in the jar here, you should have Jack's pictures next to the hand in the jar with all the stuff from his office on that filing cabinet with his stuff. And you should have all the Tosh and Gwen stuff on the desks that Tosh and Gwen used. Um, the other thing, I, I literally I marched them to the storage. I said, I, I was just kind of like, maybe it, it, it was basically that. I went, have you got storage? Do you have any props? Because there's something that's missing from here that wasn't the Doctor experience and you've got everything else from the Doctor experience so you must have this somewhere and it was the Owen Harper and Toshiko picture where they're kind of sat there with a drink and everything and it's yeah. the one that Gwen kind of comes in and says hello morning um and I was like I need I need that image to be on the monitor like I, I can't come into the tortured hub and not see those two in here and so we went to storage and we pulled out a box and it was in amongst a bunch of files and so I, I got to take it in and put it up on the thing um and it, 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 it was it was very it was it was very poignant to me i was like i i need that to be there because that that that, that as a fan is one of the easter eggs i would want to see and so they were very good with letting me almost run riot in that place like like i was there for five hours but i was only meant to be dropping off something basically like i was meant to just drop off something and i feel like i was there for like until like from like midday until like the end of the day i can't remember how long i was actually there for but effectively they really let me put all the Easter eggs in. It was so wonderful how much they cared about fans getting to have that much detail. Like, um, you know, that they that they did care about me being able to do that kind of thing. So yeah. there was a lot of, there were so many Easter eggs in the thing. You would never have found all of them. There was some that I was pointing out to people. Um, and so, but yeah. God, I wish I had you now because you would be able to point out everything. That was what happened. That's how I ended up going 12 Maybe times. Maybe you could have told kept him. 
Maybe you could have helped me find the Zygons, because apparently there was a Zygon bit in there. The now. Zygon, the Zygon only appears as I think either a, a it, so basically down the corridor where Queen Elizabeth's courtroom was, there yeah. is a thing, and if you slide, if you look into it, you can see a screen on the inside, it's like a prison cell, an alien containment cell, and there was a Zygon that they filmed for it on a screen. Um, right. So that, that's where it was the same way the same way in Da Vinci where the silence yeah, the came out the, yeah, yeah, so it was it was one. that thing and uh, like uh, I think it was like the penultimate one that I went to uh, where uh, Brian you just started flirting with Leonardo and mm-hmm. they shared uh, I, I, they, 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 they leaned in for a kiss yeah and it was it was it was fun. I, I I loved I loved that. It's just like it's just like would you like would you like me to pose for you again, Leonardo? It's just like it, it's like yes, yes, see, see, but this time with your clothes on. Brian was my favorite character. Oh, oh Brian Brian was mag- magic. My 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 I so with Brian I had sent the Brian the Ood. So there were there, there were several actors, I, not all of them. Um I, I think all of them got it in the end, but originally effectively the first wave of Brian the Oods from the first yeah. batch of, of actors, I'd sent them all the information. So I'd met them because all of the people who played Captain Stephen Davies, who was the tortured captain, um, they uh, also doubled up and played Brian Nude. Yeah. Uh, and so I was giving all them tortured information because they were on, on the day when I went in and started walking around the tortured hub. So effectively, I, I came into the hub and there was John Hart's DNA disc, which is this kind of the, the, the bomb that attaches it to his chest yeah, yeah, yeah. in kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Um, and so that was on the table. And one of them picks it up and goes over to Ryan, the art director, and says, hey, um, what is this prop, though? Uh, and he, Ryan goes, I don't know. And I'm just sat there going, it's this. And so I, I, I then tell them, and they're like, so you actually know what this is? And so I go around the entire room and I tell them what everything is. And so at that point, I then were, they were like, oh, so we're, we're meant to be Victorian tortured captains. What would we need to know about this? And so I gave them a list of episodes and I actually made a Google Drive, which had uh, rips of the episodes inside of, inside of the inside of the things i think it's fine it was bbc business so i'm sure um you know they're all free on iplayer anyway so um but the, the effectively i gave them all that and then i gave them a list of big finish stories they they that they needed to go through because like the, the victorian age and all the victoria yeah. ones and stuff because they are the ones that possibly they would know about as a character if it's anything from the future they won't know necessarily some of them did extra research where they could get some of these references and stuff and i actually wrote them all a little cheat sheet that had all the information they needed i may or may not have slipped in something to do with rebirth um so so in the list of things i said tortured one is london tortured two is glasgow tortured three is cardiff and tortured four is missing however it's suspected to be in cambridge which is where rebirth is set um or so so i i i don't know i think i think i asked once and i think one of them said oh well tortured falls in cambridge and i sat down and went for this play and this play only i am canon <laughs> fraser ward is real and he lives in so i'm gonna talk about myself for a bit but before i talk about that you've mentioned an episode and recently i realized how much i hate the lodger how much like i don't hate it pretty much i pretty much love most if yeah not every dot two story but i was recently showing a friend of mine dot two for the first time and i got <laughs> my sister to yeah. uh who's 
you know, watch it with me growing up, but she isn't as big a, as big a fan as me. And, you know, it's the point when she's obsessed with every episode. She wanted, uh, the fourth episode we watched was like, Hannah, the funny James Corden one. And I thought, oh, it's not too bad. It's a bit cringe. I watched it and it was so boring. It, it is dull. It is a really dull episode in that sense. And I, I cannot remember. There's that bit where he's just like, sorry, well, you're going to live with monkeys now. And I'm like, I don't even understand what the hell just happened. Like, yeah. that's strange. And the whole the pilot thing is never really explained properly. Like, suddenly the TARDIS is being used by silences. And it's like, well, what, what is going on? What is this? Thing? There is a throwaway reference in The Impossible uh, Astronaut where he's oh, this is what that was for. But then I think it was, but it was like, but but they never got it to work properly, and then but all the silence killed themselves after that point. I'm just like, what is? You should kill us all on sight, so that they would have been dead by that point. They would, so that, you know what's going on, and so it's very strange, very strange. But it was just a weird episode, and it, there's the whole kind of oh, Matt Smith likes playing football, so there's a whole scene where he plays football. And, and James Corden Smithy, so it's funny to watch him run around and not be able to play football. And I'm like, I get the the Lodger obviously was a comic. The Lodger was a comic which had Mickey and the Doctor coming to stay with Mickey originally, the tenth Doctor. And I'm sure it was. Yeah, well, uh, it, I'm yeah. sure it makes sense as a short comic. You know, that that I imagine is fine. This was too long, and it shouldn't have. And, uh, and I think yeah. the reason it's, I don't think it's necessarily awful. I just think it was placed amongst a very good series. Like I think series five is one of the strongest series. And it's one of those ones that because all the other episodes are so strong that it's so noticeable when one, one is letting down the side. Yeah. Like, you know, I think like, was it Vincent and the doctor? Was Vincent and the doctor the one before this? Like, like, did we go? F- yeah. I think, I, I, cause Rory's forgotten by this point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So did, did they go the from right before the finale? So this yeah, is- so this is the one before the finale, and then I think it's Vincent and the Doctor, and then because we've got a eleventh hour, Beast Below, Victory Vincent. of the Daleks, Angel Two Parter, so Time and Angels, Flesh and Stone. Then it's Amy's Choice. No, wait, Vampires of Venice, Vampires of Venice, because they pick up Rory. Yeah. Then Amy's Choice. Then it's the Hungry Earth. Then it's Cold Blood, or the other way round. And then no, no, that was the right one. Then it's Vincent and the Doctor. Then it's the Lodger, then it's Pandora Crobans and Big Bang. So literally, we went from what is considered one of the best stories ever yeah, to the Lodger, <laughs> and I, that's why I think it. And then, like, I think Pandora Crobans is one of the. I wouldn't say it's one of the best finales. I don't think. It, I, I I think it's one of. It's clever. It. I love it. I, I the thing is, I love it from a childhood standpoint. I think, and I also think there's a lot of clever things going on inside of it. So I'm not saying it's a bad episode by any means, yeah. but you know. It, it it isn't you know um, it isn't the the master finale you know the yeah. free parter it isn't I'm, bad wolf parting of the ways but it is still good I think Big Bang own. lets it down I think Big Wait, Bang what lets did it you down say about the master free parter real quick what did you say about the Saxon free parter I think it's one of the best I think I think Utopia through Sound of Drums is one of the you know and then Last of the Cybers is one of the best finales ever I think Utopia exactly. as a standalone episode is is magic it is Derek it's Jacobi as the master. Paper. Is 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 the master as well? Like they both, and then and then of course John Sim, and it carries over, and you get two brilliant actors playing the master within one thing, and you get Jack Rose, uh, Jack Rose, Jack Martha and Ten all together, and I think it's wonderful because I love Martha, and she gets highlighted, and she gets to be her own character throughout this, and throughout. People always use the ending to knock it, and I don't understand why. I get the whole space Jesus thing, but that's not the ending. There's it still doesn't like, matter. 
the thing at the end of the day is I loved that moment. I absolutely love the whole world saying doctor at the same point. And it's the whole thing. It's just like, you know, and and he, he, you know, and I don't care. He is Jesus to me. I don't. I'll say it. If you think about it, that's up in both the Shakespeare Code, the power of words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The power of words. The Lazarus experiment setting up the fact that he's going to be old and, and everything and he becomes uh, young again. Ridlock kind of focuses on belief. Yeah. The whole mm-hmm. thing is belief. I fucking love that finale. I think it's one of the, it's my top three, definitely. With, it like, is. It's, it's, it's also got such wonderful dark stuff. I mean, the whole stuff happening mm. to Martha's family is so, and the whole population of the earth is gone. Like, and the fact that they, they, they forgive the woman for betraying them. Oh, because they knew she would they knew that humans can't be trusted and how motivation and it's so there's so many layers and the thing that i always maintained about russell is he's playing 4d chess with everything he does and yeah. nothing highlights this more for me than the hand in the jar mm. which is a magnificent prop in my mind yeah, but right. also the concept of it russell cuts a hand off in the christmas invasion series one christmas special he cuts the doctor's hands off then he goes and invents Torchwood and he sets it up throughout series two and everything. And then we go to Torchwood where Jack has the hand in the jar and you don't know what's going on. They just sort of play the doctor's theme when it's seen and that kind of stuff. And then at the end of the series, it starts bubbling. And then it's because it's telling Jack that the doctor's upstairs, which leads to the end of series three's finale. And series three at this point has gone on to involve the idea of Lazarus and everything, you know, all of this stuff is brought back the master, all that kind of stuff. And so Jack turns up with the hand in the jar and the doctor going, wait, that's, that's my hand. That's the first time he's seen this hand since it was cut off and everything. The master in the next episode then uses it to turn the doctor young, uh, older because of the fact it's got his DNA in it. Then the doctor takes that at the end of the series and he puts it on the TARDIS and then it pops up when Jenny's doing her thing. You know, Jenny's there and it's bubbling away and it's like, oh, it, it noticed that. And then he uses it to pour the Doctor's regeneration energy. Exactly. So David Tennant stays David Tennant, and then he grows another Doctor from this hand, and the whole Donna thing, the Doctor Donna, which has been going on for seasons, and then he gives the hand that the Doctor, the Metacrisis Doctor, to Rose, who he trapped without a Doctor two seasons ago on a beach, and she gets her own Doctor from a hand that he cut off in Series 1. All it's, of that... Incredible. That's the end of series four. And at the end of series one, he did that. That's three seasons and a spin-off. Absolutely amazing. I can't wait for him to come back. It's going to be amazing. I know. It's going to be absolutely stunning. I'm like, never for dimensional chess to be played again. And I mean, even Mm. like the Jack being the face of Bo from series series three. It's all insane. It all connects like downfall of Harriet Jones leading to the rise of Harold Saxon. And even like the Prime Minister in Children of Earth as well. Mm, yeah, yeah, no, it, it, link, it links back to that, and then obviously, then then also the subwave network being set up and everything. Mm, um, that, um, do you know, like in the Slovene two-parter, uh, that prime minister that was murdered, that was in the cupboard, that was actually Tony Blair. That was actually supposed to be Tony Blair. So he, so Russell Davis did kill Tony Blair and place him in the cupboard. Well, so, the thing is, also then he he then. That's his own Harriet Jones who leaves and everything, and then you get to John Sims Master. That's all well and good. They then have President Winters who they kill off, mm. and then it gets reset, and then in the end of time they have Barack Obama. So there's a level of them inserting stuff, but then Russell occasionally bringing it back round yeah. to be real life again, mm. which is mad. He really is mad. 
And yeah. so, yeah. Anyway, that's a massive tangent we went on there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I absolutely adore the series for you, I think it's brilliant from beginning to end. And the Space yeah. Jesus scene isn't even the end of the episode. It's the master dying. That's the yeah. emotional culmination of everything that's happened. And Martha... Not only that, Martha leaving. Yeah, Martha exactly. saying, this yeah. is me getting out. And like, it's just like that. It's, and then the Titanic comes through the wall. It's, it's well, like... I'm and then, of course, the, there's the... Oh, and Doctor, don't forget to put your shields up. <laughs> imagine, what? Imagine if they edited that, like, uh, Davidson saying that. You don't know why it happens in, like, that episode in, like, Last of mm. Time Lost, but then you like, yeah. find out that he comes back in time crash, but that's a whole different uh, thing that they should edit into the collection. Just saying. But uh, yeah. <laughs> back to a uh, time factor real quick, because um, yeah. I've got uh, I've got a few funny stories in time factor that I talked to with Jack about on his one, like with when I was talking to Jack and Abby, but because um, like it's on a, kind of like a similar level to, um, you know, say the Harvest, the organs bit, but because I, I had a, um, the Brian mask that I yeah. thought was me in like a tuxedo and I wasn't allowed to wear it inside for security reasons, fair enough. Um, yeah. But uh, Zariah was at like um, no 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 wait the, the one before that like Brian you know tall guy Brian was uh, just yeah. standing there and I walk up to him I hold the Brian mask up and I say I met a nude once and it's just like <laughs> turns around and says, oh you skinned a nude and then like um, <laughs> that was a quite uh, that was an experience I mean um and I I wish I wish he had chosen me to like pretend to be Brian. You know, one of the tracks. You have it's to one play. of the squires. Yeah, yeah. it's with it's with I'm yeah like, with Davros. Um, I like... also, um, and then I did a similar thing. Soraya was at like I knew Brian was about to be killed, and Soraya yeah. was at like the bar with that like yeah. uh, thing. I walk up with the Brian mask, slam it on the desk, and says, "I think I killed the wrong mood." And then um, <laughs> that, that was Jack's idea for me to go up there. And then I got a selfie with Brian mm. on the last day. I got a selfie yeah. with him in the bar. And I got a selfie with his dead body. <laughs> I mean, everyone kind of went through it on the last day. I was very well behaved in time frame. Like, there were some things I did that was a bit cheeky. But I, I, I mainly stayed. Like, I was like, this, this is a professional environment. I'm not going to steal stuff. Um, and so... I, mean, I, almost, uh, but, I almost did steal a prop once, actually. Oh uh, yeah, I w- I was very tempted by the pizza box on the last day. I was like, "That's mine. I I made this. I could I could easily take this." But no, I I I I, I, was... I, I, I gave them a lot of money. I I went twelve times and I and I, I raided that gift shop like no one's business. Funny enough, I almost accidentally stole something uh, mm. on like when it was b- before flood times. Actually, it was like the first week, oh, yeah. first two weeks. And yeah. you know how Davros hands you a time ring. Oh yeah, the Dalek time controller ring thing. Um, yeah. In the first run, they tell you to give it to someone you trust. Give it to mm. someone you trust. I trusted no one. <laughs> I trusted <laughs> no one and took it That's, out. That in- that, I think they got rid of that. I think that was an inherent flaw in the fact that humans don't like people. That might have been my fault because I took it into the reception area yeah. after the experience finished. Was I supposed mm. to take this? And then because like it told you to tell no one, no, like for some reason I didn't mention it. It was really difficult to explain. Davros gave this to me. Uh, <laughs> I, well, I'm trying to think about my funny stories. So I went twelve times, and my aim was I wanted to do every track at least once, and I did manage to do it. Um, I managed to do every single version of Time Fracture, which I, I there was one other guy. I think there was one other guy. Maybe I. I think it was one of them. There was, so there was this guy and he went like 30 loads of times. It was mental. He genuinely turned up and he was such a nice bloke. I, I met him a few times. Um, 
can't remember his name now. Um, but he had crutches. He was a nice big beard. Um, and so he went. He went. He went thirty times. But effectively, I feel like I might be one of the only people that did every track. And some. And there was one night I was out in the. We were in this. We were in the bar with the cast. And. And I think I started mentioning some of the other track stuff to people. And they went, I don't think I've ever even known what you guys do up there. Because some people work in the unit bit and the, and the Gallifrey bit, and they never go into the middle bit. So that some, you, if, you don't, if you don't do that and you don't go through it, you won't know what everyone else is doing on the team. The other thing I do have from time for it, which I don't think I can get out because of the fact it's in my... So I've got a little... So in my display cabinets, we have yeah. new series Sonics um sort of 7b area so this is all that kind of stuff the classic era um the rtd era sort of miscellaneous props and then below it is a shrine to myself hmm. um which I sounds know- egotistic I noticed yes. the Miracle Day mask down there. That's the one thing. Yeah, I... can you see that? That yes, is screen yes, news. Yes. That, that's a that's a soulless mask from from Miracle Day. Yeah, from one of the it's such an underused concept, gotta say. I know from another crowd sense. Let me get out. So this I is actually like, a... um, the soulless statue come back. So I imagine they didn't just disperse. So... The, um... Maybe it maybe it gathered a new meaning after the end of Miracle Day. There you go. It is an incredible mask, doesn't it? It is. It's very simple, but it's very effective. Um, so yeah, no, this, this is screen news and everything. It's uh, I mean, it's, it smells. <laughs> so it's got bro. it's got ST two thousand eleven one 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 scratched into the top there. So yeah, so this was from the crowd scenes um, from the scene where obviously Gwen um, yeah, is seeing them when she's walking past with the shopping. They call themselves the soulless. I really I wish they used that concept more. Like it was such a good concept and such a striking design. Yeah, that's the miracle ah, day yeah. uh, manipulator. Uh, if it turns on, if the batteries are in this at the moment. Oh no, it does. Oh, yeah. oh wow. That's incredible. Yeah, so, so for Miracle Day, they switched out the prop um, from Jack's original one um, because the real prop was still being used yeah. by the BBC uh, at the time um, for to- uh, for Doctor Who series five. Yeah. So, um, so they they used uh, they they got some new ones made up by the American production team, um, which was pretty pretty sweet. Um, then. That That's, this is a, another screen used one this is from the caretaker Peter Capaldi hides a bunch of these around the oh uh, yeah he hides them in the plants and stuff yeah around the school uh, and then yeah that's my time fracture bit down here basically though um, yeah which is where I got most of the stuff do I have anything I can just grab at, at hand um, I got I've got a bunch of screwdrivers that the cast used mm. so effectively um we went to the bar one night and everyone went, well, it's, the, it's ending soon. We would like sonic screwdrivers, possibly. It was kind of like I offered and I was like, would you, would you, what, what, what would you want your character? And so I now have a few screwdrivers that were now, used in time. you fraction. actually um, handed, because they, they had a wonderful time of guide um, mm. costume based on yeah. Curse of Death, and I believe you handed them an accurate I do, Curse of Death I do. it was this one so this this one was used by um, it was, I was given, I gave it to um, 
Beth, who played Maybe, yeah. which was the Curse of Fate or Death one. So they didn't, they weren't actually the doctors in the show. They were meant to be Time Lord guides, but they were wearing Doctory outfits because that's what Time yeah, Lords yeah. would wear. Um, and so she was playing the Curse of Fate or Death one called Maybe. And so, yeah, so she had my Curse of Fate or Death screwdriver because the original Curse of Fate or Death screwdriver was an 800 Trekker. So there was a person or company in the uh, 80s and 90s, I think. Uh, 800 Trekker. So they made these and they were sold in the Who shop. And so when Curse of Fate or Death came around and they needed a screwdriver, they bought one of these. So uh, this is a genuine one that I bought. And so then when the time came, they were like, oh, well, and I was like, I actually have a Curse of Fate or Death Sonic. So I lent it to them. And so I think it was it was used. She said she did use it in a, in a I was just trying to remember when she said she used it or asked her what she did. She, but she did say she, she used it at one point because I think someone asked her if it had free settings. Um, oh, oh, oh <laughs> I, I understood that reference. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is a screwdriver for you. This is a. Uh, oh, is that Dom's? This is Dom's. This is yeah. an unpainted Dom's one. So this was this yeah. is prop three. So there was prop one, which was which was lost um, during some of the series five filming. Uh, prop two is currently with them, and they've been filming with it. And so that's the stuff that's mainly appearing in the remastered. Prop two is noticeable because Luke put it together, but for some reason he's put it together so that the the, the central rod is really overextended. Like it's like like it's like all the way out like this in, in the current prop is kind of mad, uh, whereas it's only going to be like out like that much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then this is prop three. I like it. I really like it. Yeah. So it's got these pen blanks. Actually, I do have some pen blanks up here. So um, effectively, these are these are used commonly in Sonic screwdriver making. Um, I don't know if they've appeared on any of the modern sonic screwdrivers but in replica making a lot of people did use yeah. them so these are the so this is a raw dom one so this is this is, the, this is what it looks like when it comes yeah. out of the thing and then you turn it down and then it gives you all the sort of swirls and everything um this one was bought for luke so this one was meant to be luke's own screwdriver yeah. which he was going to use in the remaster i think he's gone with some other design now however instead of this one so that's fine now i guess um and so uh yeah so that and that so this was meant to be prop free however they don't need it anymore so i'm keeping it um and this prop was meant to have functionality so i was designing it so that you could um you should be able to i don't know if it'll do it for me now but you're meant to be able to slide this all yeah. the way down inside there like that thing. Oh, oh. and so it was meant to have a sort of um, McGann-esque style where Dom could be able to do that and sort of you know pull it out it won't do that now because it's too tight but it shouldn't yeah. be able to you should oh. be able to pull it out but originally it was also going to have a slider so it was going to be a mm. uh, not to be not to be um, 